Holy Spirit as your human testimony. It has an incredible impact on our lives. If you're here this morning and you wouldn't yet say you're a follower of Jesus, we're incredibly welcome. And I hope that as we explore questions around identity and how God sees us, that you would hear Him speaking to you this morning. So our journey this morning is this. It's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to read two short Bible texts from Mark's Gospel. So if you want to be turning to the pins of Mark's Gospel, uh, you might have a paper Bible or phone or something like that. Turn to Mark's Gospel. We're going to talk about how identity forms. And then by that point, we're all going to meet Jesus. We'll talk about that. Let me pray, and then we'll look at a couple of um, verses in Mark's Gospel. Lord, thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you that you have something to say as immense eternal wisdom to every one of us here today. And Lord, I want to pray that our hearts would be open, that we would hear you, that we would give our yes to you, and that you could power our words to do so. Amen. So, start Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. At that time, Jesus came to Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Second story, Mark chapter 9. Let's turn a few pages to the right in your Bible. Or left if you're on an iPad. This is a story where Jesus goes up on a mountainside. He takes his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John. And during this account, Jesus' glory is more fully revealed to his disciples. And in fact, it's part of the account where we read that Jesus' clothes are, are whiter than Felice's clothes. Dazzling white. And then we find this in verse 7 of Mark chapter 9. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. So we have these two public occasions. It sounds very spectacular, but I suspect there were many other private times where Jesus had this kind of conversation with his followers. You see, if Jesus was ever asking the question, and I suspect he was, particularly growing up, asking the question, who am I? He got a very sorry interaction from his followers. You are my son, whom I love. You see the way that identity is being formed, that is being confirmed, that it is being affirmed in the life of Jesus. You are my son. That's identity formation. But it is so different to how our culture does it. And so what I'm going to do briefly this morning is try and help us to see the cultural nuances. As I said, it's all around us. It's a bit, we're a bit like a goldfish. We're, we're just like water. We don't know it's there. But what I want to do is help us to make it visible to us so that we are aware of the 
in what is now called early modern thinking, the Renaissance, the Romanticism, through to where we are now, late modern or postmodern thinking. And in a postmodern culture, identity has become self-important. That's why I shared all of those stories at the beginning. In a postmodern world, you find yourself. Most people say that. I just need to take a break and find myself. In other words, I'm going to look inside. Because I'm going to find out who I am by looking inside my desires and my feelings. And so we're told by a postmodern culture that you discern what's right and wrong in your own heart. As long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, it's okay. You make up the rules for yourself. That kind of culture says there's no moral good outside of yourself. All moral value is relative. The identity is found in the interior. Nobody tells you who you are. One sociologist has said this, modern identity, postmodern identity, is not different to traditional identity. It is the reverse. It's not like things are just tweaked a little bit. They are complete opposites, complete reverse Because we need to have diversity. 
And so part of the result of that is that people look for constant affirmation in our work. People become suckers for for consumerism. Basically, I added that sense of security. If I wear this belt, if I've got that belt, then I can easily have my own. In fact, now the kind of people that people look for emotional stroking on social media. Now, I'm sure none of this ever does it. But it may be that you've seen a friend of yours and they put a post out on Facebook or something like that and they're basically saying to people, disagree with somebody, it is now seen as a personal attack. You're attacking me. And so people melt. People just break away. They fall apart. There's a term in our, in our world right now, which may be quite fascinating. Probably not the kindest of them. Hopeless, hopeless. Lack of resilience. Probably not a nice way of talking about it, but it's this. It is the fragility that we now see in the marketplace. Third thing, it is fragmented. Everyone making up their own right, right and wrong leads to community erosion. Let me remind you of the words of our dear Elsop in closing. It's time to see what I can do. No right or wrong, no rules for me. Thank you. 
to the more traditional culture, your sense of self and sense of worth no longer comes from your tribe, your community, or your family. Your family is not your validation. And we have to draw a line as to if you said yes to Jesus, you are a new creation in Christ. And if you've been brought up in a Western postmodern culture, your identity is not you don't need to find yourself. In fact, I'll go as far to say that you can't. Your identity comes as you are found by Christ. That's how it works. So how does God form identity in us? We can share four ways we can. Firstly, identity is formed through what God says in the Bible. There are hundreds of things in this book that God says about us that define our new identity in